Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Praise God. Well, in your Bibles tonight, we've been studying, we've been bouncing a little bit around the will of God for your life. Everybody say, will of God. And and a little bit about the heart, because you've got to have a heart to be uh, for God, to be in the will of God. If you don't have a heart for God, then you'll never care about the will of God. I mean, you'll be like, wait, will of God? I, you know, I'm busy. I got my own life, I'm doing my own thing. I, I don't need no will of God. Well, you know, there's people like that. And, and we trust when they die, they'll go to heaven if they're born again. But, you know, in the meantime, uh, it's, a, it's a challenge in life to get into the will of God. It's a challenge to stay in the will of God. But the challenge is always met with a payoff that you could never produce for yourself. I've said this for years, and I think it bears repeating. The greatest life enhancement on the earth is the gospel. Amen? Now, let me say that again. The greatest life enhancement on the earth is the gospel. If that's true, then the more we participate, the more we enter into, the more we draw nigh unto Him, draw nigh unto what He is, what, who He is, who we are in Him, to what He's doing in the earth, the more we participate with His design for our life, His design for His family upon the earth, the more our life is, quote, enhanced. I could have never imagined 30-something years ago that my life would be enhanced to the point that it is right now. I mean, it's just... The way I think, the way I look at things, the way I, uh, the way I, the way I live has all been greatly more enhanced than I could ever have enhanced it myself. I mean, it's just a, I guess the only way you can, can know that is to live, to live it, to live it out and to see it actually happen in your life. But if you will adhere to some of the things in the Word of God that we're working on right now, most of these things have to do with heart and character. Everybody say character. I'm, I'm believing God that by the time we go into that church, I'll have three books ready to go. I'm working on one right now. I'm, gonna, I'm doing one right now actually called You Can't Shoot a Cannon Off a Rowboat. Then I'm going to write one called The Pulpit, A View from the Pew. Then, got, then I'm going to write one called The Bucks of the San Burrito. That's going to be a soul winning book. Yeah, it's going to have deer hunting stories. It's going to help lead people to Jesus. Amen. So, you know, I'm working on all that. I was trying to get all that done. But in, in, in doing this book on you can't shoot a cannon off a rowboat, which is a phrase that I heard Francis Ward speak in a teaching session at her home way back in 1984. And, the, and, the, and how can I say this? The, uh, the intent of her teaching that night was is that so many people in the body of Christ have cannon-sized giftings, cannon vision, cannon, this big gun mentality, but, but, but their character's like a little rowboat. So they row out into the sea of humanity and they get one shot, boom, and it sinks their rowboat, you never hear of them again. But God wants you to have battleship character because if you have battleship character, it doesn't matter how big of a cannon you have, uh, you shoot it, it's not going to sink your ship. You're still going to be there. And here's the thing. You can build a rowboat, probably Todd and, and a couple of these carpenters around here could gather some wood tomorrow and build a boat that'll float. But if you put a heavy piece of artillery on that thing, you're going to get one shot. I don't want to be on the boat when you shoot it. I want to watch from afar, amen? Because it's going to sink your boat. Well, battleship's going to take a little time. 
You got to put in the you got to put in the structure. You've got to put the armor in it. You got to put in the armor, uh, the weapon system, the communication, the radar, all of that stuff. But listen, when a battleship is launched, I know I know we don't use battleships anymore much, or or you know those old types. We think of battleships. We think of wars from a long time ago. But whenever they use battleships, literally, if you study history, the history of the world, back around right around World War One when it started, your country's strength was measured by the amount of battleships that were in the fleet. Where are my teachers at? Isn't that right? I mean, you know, countries that had a bunch of battleships, they were the ones. Countries that didn't have any battleships, they weren't much. So battleships, when launched, number one, create great security for the nation. Number two, they're powerful weapons against any enemies that would rise up. And that's what character does for you. It supplies security for where the giftings are taking you. And when I say giftings, I'm not talking about, you know, being a pastor and evangelist. I'm talking about a gift, to, a gift to make money, a gift to be in business, a gift to, a gift to parent, a gift to be married. All these different things that God will enhance and cause you to ha- be gifted to do. It'll, it'll undergird that. Therefore, if you have any problems or setbacks, you've got that character that will hold you right in place. Man, I've seen preachers over there that I thought, hey, these guys, man, they're going to cause the rapture to take place early. They're so powerful. I mean, they could preach. They could administrate. They could raise money. They could, they could man, but they had such little character that their, that their gift took them way up here, but their character was way down here. And, and the way the enemy always does it, he lets you get way up there. Then he knocks the slats out from under you, and your fall is big, and your fall is a long way. Well, God doesn't want that happening. We don't have time for that. Amen? Now, we're going to look at tonight the effect of unbelief upon your heart and the effect of unbelief upon the will of God for your life. We don't want to live in the wilderness. We want to be in the promised land. And the promised land for the, for the, for the new covenant, for the family of God, is not heaven. So I'll be glad when I get to heaven. I'll get to the promised land. No, that's not the promised land. Heaven is heaven. Amen. Heaven is heaven. What the promised land is for the believer is healing, the baptism in the Holy Ghost, prosperity, all of the things that Jesus died and rose from the dead for us to have in covenant. God wants us to enter into that and enjoy the benefit of it. He doesn't want it to sit on the pages of his book where people read about and wish it could happen. He wants people to actually believe it, receive it, walk in it, live in it, and then transmit it to others. Did you get that? So in order to do that, you have to guard against some things, especially when it comes to your heart and your character, so that you can undergird all that God is gifting you to do and enter in. Now, unbelief, listen, it's one of the most powerful forces. When you go through the Bible and you study how powerful unbelief is, where Jesus was so anointed by the Holy Ghost, he had a full measure of the Spirit of God. Nobody ever has had that since Jesus. The Bible says in John chapter 3, he had the spirit without measure. Man, I'm telling you, that is a, that's a bucket load right there. But he goes to his own hometown, and the Bible says he can do no, no mighty works. Why? Because of their unbelief. Unbelief shut him down. Shut down the creator of the universe. He could have healed anybody. He could have raised the dead. He could have provided any provision needed. He could have done anything if they would have just believed. But they were in unbelief, and that unbelief stifled his power and caused them not to be able to function and took them out of the will of God. Don't you know it's the will of God for him to heal and set free and deliver? But he couldn't do it. Now, look at this verse. This is an interesting verse. 1 Timothy 
There are two types of unbelief. We're going to deal with those tonight. Two types of unbelief. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Look there in verse... Look there in verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. It says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. Who was before... Now, Paul is speaking of himself. This is the Apostle Paul in a letter. Of course, we know it's a letter to us as the church here in Galveston. But it's a, uh, historically, it's a letter to his, to his son Timothy, his spiritual son, Timothy. So he said, he was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. Now he's speaking of, of his life before he got saved. How we know by studying the book of Acts that he, uh, he, he gave that authority to the stoning of Stephen. Uh, he persecuted the church. He drug men and women out of their house. He committed them to prison. And he was on his way to, to uh, uh, Damascus with a big old suitcase full of arrest warrants. And a light shined from heaven. Amen? Brighter than the noonday sun. So he says, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor? And injurious? But now notice... I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Everybody say ignorantly in unbelief. Now listen, this is a form of unbelief that is unique to people that do not know. There's people right now that would probably love to get saved, but they do not know. They've heard so much religion. They've heard so much, you know, what I have. I guess I, and then I look at their life and think, well, there ain't no way I can change my life. Come on. They, think, they, they look at their self and they think, well, there's nothing I can do. They don't know it's as simple as believing in your heart. Confessing with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead. That, that God will supply the grace and the faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of works, it is the gift of God. At least any man should. I mean, he, he think there's nothing. How could I get saved? Well, it's simple. God gives you grace and he gives you the faith to tap into it with. But they're ignorant of that. A lot of people today would love to be healed. We have hospitals full of them. But they've been told so many things. They've been told that Jesus doesn't heal. God doesn't heal. He could, but he doesn't want to, you know. And so ignorantly, they're, they're, it's just, it's a lack of information. Listen, there are a lot of things about me you're ignorant of. Doesn't mean you're stupid. It just means you do not have the information. There's a lot of things about you that I'm ignorant of. It just means you don't have the information. Now, for years and years and years, I was in agreement with a lot of other preachers who thought the main problem in the body of Christ was ignorance. People just don't know. But that's not the main problem in the body of Christ. That's the main problem in the world. But in the body of Christ, it's not ignorance. Now, let's go look at that, because that's a little different. Everybody say a little different. Now, go to Hebrews chapter 4. Now, let me read a couple of verses here, and then we'll, we'll go over to Numbers real quick. and Hope this will bless you or make you mad, one. Verse 1, Hebrews chapter 4, Let us therefore fear, at least a promise, being left of, left of, of entering into his rest, 
any of you should seem to come short of it. For the gospel was preached uh, as well as unto them, to us as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now, he's speaking of, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, and he's speaking of the children of Israel at a time in which the children of Israel were given a word from God to go in and possess the promised land. Now, you go in and you possess the promised land. I, see, I have given you a land that flows with milk and honey. I've gotten you out of Egypt, signs, wonders, and miracles. I've sustained you in the wilderness, signs, wonders, and miracles. I've given you access to me through a bleeding sacrifice and a priesthood. I'm telling you, there, you, you can come right into the throne of God. Listen, actually God was speaking to the whole nation at Mount Sinai. All of them were hearing the voice of God. And they said, uh-uh, not, speak to them, don't speak to us no more. So God had to change the way he wanted to communicate and leave a priesthood over a bleeding sacrifice, only speaking to the prophet, priest, and the king. They didn't want it. They didn't want it. Now notice this. It says, For we which have believed do enter into rest, that's verse 3, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, that they, sh uh, that they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all of his works. That's in Genesis chapter 2. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein. And they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Now literally, if you study these two words in Greek and Hebrew, you will find these are two different words. One of them is just not knowing. It's an ignorance of the Word of God. The other literally means a refusal to be persuaded. I just refuse to be persuaded. It's basically rebellion is what it is. It's really, that's really what it is. It's just a rebellion against that which God is. There are people today that you talk about the baptism and the Holy Ghost. They're like, nope, not me, uh-uh. There's people today you talk about prosperity like, nope, not me, uh-uh. There's people you just talk about coming to church like, nope, nope, not me. Uh, people say, you know, talk about salvation. Nah, you know, that's a, those born-again people, they're the, worst, they're the worst people on the earth. Have you, have you noticed how much in the past few years, three to four years, literally we have entered into a time on this world in which God said would come in which people would see light and call it dark, see right and call it wrong, and literally we are living in that hour and day right now. And if you're not careful, it will twist you and taint you and cause you to enter into this kind of unbelief where you just will not be persuaded. No, I'm not going to do it. And listen, when you do that, this is the worst kind of unbelief. This is what's going to put you... Listen, not only does it cause God to back away from you, it's not that God would do anything to you because of that. He loves you. He wants to help you. He wants to bless you. It's not that God would back away from you. He has to because that unbelief always pushes God away. But in He pushing, being pushed away in that vacuum, that's where your adversary will walk right in. He'll walk, he'll walk right in. And because of your unbelief, you will begin to blame God for things that the devil is doing to you by thinking God's trying to teach you some lesson. That devil, he's a rat. Amen? Now, go to, let's look at that just a minute. This, this story is in, in, in Numbers. Way back in the, in the Old Testament, Numbers 
starts in chapter 13. And I'm not, I'm not going to read it all. We've got about 15 minutes here to, to study this together. Let me find my place here. Now this is where they had gone through everything that they had gone through to get to this place, Kadesh Barnea. And this is the place in which it's time to act on, in faith. Not unbelief, in faith. It's time to go and spy out the land. Everybody with me? Let's go spy out the land. Let's see if it's what God says, a land that flows with milk and honey. And now let's say once we go and spy it out. Now listen, the purpose of the 12 spies going into the land was not to bring back a report of what they could not do. It was actually a strategic, what would you call it, a, 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 an exploratory, a, a, a strategic group of men going in to spy out the land for strategy's sake. So once you get a lay of the land and you pray to God, you get a strategy. That was the purpose. Not to create a new religion. Not to rename the land. You'll see they did that also. They renamed the land. Started a new religion. You say, Why did they, what do you mean started a new That's how they ended up all dying in the wilderness. It wasn't the will of God. It literally took them out of the will of God and caused them all to die in the wilderness. Amen? Now notice, verse 26, this is after all of the spies have gone. Now they've come back. Well, go back up into verse up. Back up into verse 23. It says, they came unto the brook Eshko and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes and they buried between two upon a staff and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. Now, now can you imagine a cluster of grapes with a, with a long pole and a man on this end and a man on that end and they're carrying one cluster of grapes. I'd love to have seen that. I'd like to eat one of those grapes. I mean, if you're a grape eater, you just stick one on your head and eat your way around it, you know? <laughs> Amen? I mean, that's a grape, man. I'm telling you, that's a grape. And the figs and the pomegranate. Listen, these were things, now notice, these were things the land was producing. This is with the production. Listen, where they were, there was no production. There wasn't nothing but dirt. Cursed dirt and sand. The weather wasn't good. Nothing was conducive to seed time and harvest. See, God wants to bring you into a place in your life where seed time and harvest works for you. Amen. Unbelief wants to keep you out of that. That unpersuasion, that, that refusing to be persuaded. And listen, I've noticed over the years, it's not being persuaded about healing being for you or prosperity being for you or deliverance. Being. It's being, not being persuaded about you needing to change to get into the healing. You needing to change to get into the prosperity or you needing to change to get into what God says belongs to you and getting into the will of God. I'm telling you, we all shout and dance. Yeah, oh, God wants us healed. God wants us blessed. God wants us blessed. And then God says, okay, what I want you to do is to change so I don't have to heal you every week so you can walk in divine health. To change so I don't have to bail you out financially every month that you can walk in divine prosperity. God's more concerned about creating the character of Christ in you than he is about your comfort. So he'll let you stew in your unbelief. Without money, amen, without health, until you make a decision. It may not be the circumstance that needs to change. It may be me that needs to change. See, we don't like that. 
Because that means we got to do something. We got to put out some effort. You know, you can't just go to the pharmacy and get a gospel. Take it. So they got a big, a, a, a whole bunch of grapes, man. The place was called the Brook Ishgar because the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching the land after 40 days. They went to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel into the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back. Now notice this word. Everybody say word. It's the word logos, the word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. The land produces the fruit of the land. And told them, we came unto the land that thou sentest. Now listen to this. And surely it flowed with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Now, if they had just shut up right there, what they were saying was God was right. He's bringing us to a land that flows with milk and honey. Just like God said. Somebody should have just jumped up and said, yeah, just like God said. All right, y'all sit down. Amen? Some people, you know, keep preaching, keep speaking long after they're through. <laughs> and this is one of those circumstances. Amen? Because the very next word, nevertheless, in that word, you hear what? Unbelief. Defiance. Unbelief. Rebellion. You, you name, you can, any negative character trait you want, you can pull it right out of the, well, nevertheless. The big yeah but of their destiny. Amen? Listen, I do not care what hadn't worked for you up to this point. I don't care what you've not been able to get manifested, what prayer you have not gotten answered. It does not matter. God is still God. The covenant is still sure. The blood's still on the mercy seat. Jesus is still Lord. And the Holy Ghost is still active in the earth. And the Bible still says nothing is impossible with Him. And it may be that God is not near as interested in changing your circumstance as He is in changing you. And you've been putting all this time, all this effort, all this energy into your circumstance and God just kind of sitting there with his arms closed. While you're crying out for your circumstance to change. Oh man. That's what you get for coming to church on Wednesday night. <laughs> Nevertheless, the people, here we go. The people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of... I can hear them get emotional. Here we saw the children of Anak there. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb still the people. Now here's, here's the right guy doing the right thing. Caleb jumped up and told those guys to shut up and sit down. He could see what was happening. Because you have to understand something about unbelief. It's more contagious and it's more palatable in a group. You say, what do you mean by that? You can get groups. You can get, you say, well, come on, pastor. You know, uh, a billion people can't be wrong. Yes, they can be wrong. Did you get that? Yes, they can be wrong. Five billion people can be wrong. Everyone can be wrong, and the Word of God is true. He recognized this is our enemy. This is the voice of our enemy. He got up and what? He stilled everybody. He said, everybody, shut up. Everybody, sit down. I got something to say. 
Caleb stilled the people. Now notice this. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. That's all it would have took right there. That's all it would have took right there. There's a man of faith. There's a man that knows his covenant. There's a man that refuses to bow to unbelief. But you have to understand, we live in a fallen world in which the soil of unbelief is much more fertile many times than the soil in which faith needs to be planted. And if you are subject to unbelief, the adversary always has a way of trying to get something into your heart that causes you to respond to circumstances or situations in unbelief instead of faith. Amen? That's what he's doing. The devil knew, I've got, I don't care about Caleb. He can get up there and say anything. I've got the mass now. I've got, I've got, I'm working, I'm working, I'll use this word. I'm working my magic of unbelief on the mass now. I'm trying to get, that's why, that's why you got to listen. Oh, how are we going to get off on that? We're going to do it anyway. You better be careful what you listen to on that television, that radio, that internet, because it is not aimed at you as an individual. It's aimed at the masses because your adversary, the devil, knows how to communicate to masses and he knows how to com- communicate confusion. He knows how to communicate lies and he knows how to communicate unbelief. Don't you believe everything comes on that TV? A lot of people live by that stuff. I mean, they can't get enough of it. And it's amazing. <laughs> they'll, they'll come up with a story and it'll be 100% wrong, and they'll, they'll, they'll give it all out one day, and it's all wrong, and they'll come back, and they'll spend weeks trying to correct what was wrong, and ain't nobody, nobody even listened to that. They only listened to the one day they were wrong. That's all they listened to. It's the nature of fallen humanity. That's why you've got to protect your faith with all your heart. Well, I won't. I'll get off my soapbox on that one, but it be good to hear it. Amen? We're well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against these people for they are stronger than we. That's a lie. That's an absolute lie. That's what that is. Remember back in the garden how, 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 how Satan set up, set up Eve for the lie? That's exactly what the enemy, especially with people that's had a little experience with faith because he knows you have a developed belief system. And he wants to get something into you that is not true that you deposit into your belief system that you start believing with your heart and saying with your mouth. That's why you better be very careful what you say. I've watched criticism. I've watched unbelief. I've watched all kinds of negative things that people let stew in them and stew in them and then spew out of their mouth cause all kinds of destruction. I've seen it put people in their grave. That's a sad thing, man. When the Bible says, with long life, I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation. Everybody say, long life. life. Now notice. Look at the next verse. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched on the children of Israel, saying, the land, the land through which we have gone to search it. Now listen to this. Is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. They renamed it. I said they just renamed the land. 
You say, what do you mean? God named the land a land that flows with milk and honey. Come on, church. And if God names it, let's, let's leave it alone. Let's leave. That's why I call Galveston an island of revival, an island of a move of God, an island of an outpouring, an island in which the causeway is going to be clogged not with revelers and Mardi Gras and partygoers and motorcycle It's going to be clogged with people coming to hear the Word of God. Amen? Amen? You say, now how can you say that? Because God said that the knowledge of the Word of God would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Why not, a, why not Galveston Island? Why not? People, man, you would not believe the unbelief people tried to put on us. You can't go down. That's a preacher's graveyard. That's the darkest place in Texas. That's a, one of the darkest places. That's the most destroyed area in there. Wow, the worst natural disaster. The worst human disaster. I'm telling you, God will never... Listen, that's a lie. That's a lie, and you can't fall for it. Amen? It's not the land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. It's the land that flows with milk and pot. Now notice this. And all the people... Here we go. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. Well, what about you? You just got delivered from the most powerful nation on the earth, Egypt. Did you know when they were delivered out of Egypt, Egypt was a world power. They were a world power. And they got delivered from the Pharaoh and all of his courts and from all of the army. The, all of the entire army got drowned in the sea. Their bodies are rotten on the, on the shore of the Red Sea. Come on. They're just, how soon do you forget what God has done when you enter into unbelief? And there we saw the giants. See how this amplifies? It starts rolling like a snowball down a hill. We really know a lot about that, don't we? I've seen it on cartoons. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. Now listen to this. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Now the entire purpose of the lie and the unbelief has been fulfilled to get them to see themselves in a dark way. In a way in which God, God did not call them that. God called them the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now they have gotten a new, they say, here's what we're going to do, God. We're going to go out, we're going to rename the land, and then what we're going to do after that is we're going we're to grasp a new identity for ourselves. We're not going to say what you say about us, we're going to say what we say about us. We're just grasshoppers. That's all we are is grasshoppers. That's why you can't fall for any of that pious, religious Poor old worm, poor old sinner saved by grace. People don't like when you say the, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. They don't like it when you say you're a new Christian. Well, who cares what people want? you gotta live, You got to live as an overcomer right here in the nasty now and now. And look at verse, chapter 14, verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Listen, it's amazing how emotional you can get when you're in unbelief. I'm telling you, the waterworks flow. You cry. You're, oh, God has forsaken me. No, 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 no. That's not what has happened. Unbelief has caused you to view God in a different way. 
Unbelief has caused you to, to, to view His provision and His willingness in a new way, in a wrong way. And you have fallen into a trap of the adversary, and instead of going into something, now you're coming out of something. Amen? And the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. Now here's, here's something. The first thing you go after when you get into unbelief is spiritual authority. I don't like that preacher. I don't like that pastor. I don't like the way he preaches. What did we say Sunday? All they talk about is money. You need to learn to tune your ear to hear those things. I, come on. I, listen, I've been around people that said it about oh, all they want is money. They're just trying to, that, that it was true about what they were saying it about, about the people they were saying it about. But I would not allow myself to hear that and I would defend those people for the sake of my own faith. Preachers that were ripping people off on TV, people that were doing this and that. But I did not want to give any door of unbelief. Now, I wasn't giving credence to what they do. I would just say, well, maybe they know something you don't. Maybe they believe differently than you do. But to just get up and carte blanche, call them not of God, and say, that doesn't work, and, and all they're trying to do is steal. Listen, all you're doing is you're cracking the door more and more for the adversary to come in. Because the most powerful words you'll ever hear are the words you speak. Coming out of your mouth, going into your ears. How's my time? Oh, I'm over time. Well, let me bring it to a close here. <laughs> we'll come back to this next week. Listen to this. Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we died in the, that we had died in this wilderness? What happened to your dream? What happened to your vision? What happened? What, what happened to you know all the you know when you were when you were uh, uh, dancing on the on the shores of the Red Sea? after the water had closed over your enemies and, and Miriam got the tambourine and everybody was singing the horse and rider thrown into the sea. And everybody was thinking about their new farm and their new ranch and their new business and the new city they were going to be living in and all the good stuff they were going to get. And God was telling them, you're going to reap from vineyards you hadn't sowed. You're going to reap from fields you hadn't sowed. You're going to get vineyards you hadn't planted. You're going to get cattle you hadn't raised. You're going to get all this land. You're going to get all this stuff. But you may have to do something to get it. What happened to all that? Boy, it just unbelief just, just, it's like the, what were the, the things called? The edge of sketches. How many remember? That may date me. Remember the edge of sketch when you? Did all your, twisted your knobs and then, you know, like, so you just turn upside down. That's what they did. With all the covenant of God, the faith of God, the miracles of God, all that God did for Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all their history, all their blessing, they just took it and shook it. Now, would we had, now listen to the word they're using. Would we had died? I mean, they didn't say, well, it, it would have been better to be a slave or, you know, it'd be better to, to wander uh, around and maybe find another way in or, or, you know. No, no, that's not. They said, would we had died, died in Egypt, slaves being beaten, not allowed to gather straw to make bricks, taking our, taking our children, throwing them to the crocodiles in the river. Boy, we was living the life, wasn't we? We was living the life, you know. No Dairy Queen. 
That's about the extent of my suffering. I don't allow any suffering beyond that. <laughs> Amen? That's why God hates unbelief. This unbelief did what? It brought them to the point in which there's fixing to be a major rebellion. And you know what happens? We'll study it next week, but I'll give you a preview of coming attraction. A lot of people are going to die. A lot of people are going to get messed up. A lot of dreams are going to get ruined. And unbelief is going to march out in front of them. And there's really only two people out of this entire crowd that end up in the promised land. And that's the only two who would not bow their knee to unbelief. Out of probably close to two million people. Well, two million people can't be wrong. They were. They were wrong. They allowed unbelief. So the unbelief because of ignorance, my goodness, we, we teach the word every week. We've got classes. We've got Sunday school. We've got so much word coming at you. I mean, you, 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 we've got so much word coming. It just, it just stick on you if you just hang around long enough, you know. So much information. We've got books. There's all kinds of stuff out there. Things you can download, all kinds of stuff. I think our excuse for ignorance is really not valid anymore. We begin to see a lot of people get saved. We begin to see a lot of people, the harvest begin to come in, and we're going to have to teach them and remove their ignorance. But for crowds like us, that most of us have heard the gospel and heard the gospel and heard the, that's really not the problem anymore. So, what the problem is, is the other kind of unbelief where we're not really entering in, not to the promised land of all of the things that God has for us in the covenant, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, healing, gifts of the Spirit, our calling, our destiny, deliverance, joy, peace, right? It's not that. It's that we're the people or we remain the people without the character to go in and possess the land. We stay in the stupor of, well, when God wants to do it, I guess he'll do it. But what you should be doing with your faith is building yourself up to the point, just like we've done with this building program, in which the unction comes. Did you know God brought them to the right place at the right time to cross that river, to go into that land, to possess that promised land, and they missed their timing. They missed their opportunity. They missed it. And when they missed it, they missed out on the entire plan of God. And sure, there would have been some fights. There would have been some battles. There probably would have been some setbacks. There probably would have been some heartaches. But at the end of the day, they would have possessed the land that flowed with milk and honey. And they would have had fields to sow. And they would have had flocks to raise. And they would have had generations of their people living. But they were 40 years late getting there. And God had to use another generation. And I trust God that God's not going to have to wait another 40 years around here. Amen. There will be a generation yes. that will allow God to work on the character of our faith and get the unbelief out of us, that unpersuasive, defiant, you know, I'm just going to be this way, it's the way it is. I was writing my, my, my deal the other day, my, the, book, the book that I'm working on right now, I'm in the third chapter, third or fourth chapter, and I just, because I'll go pray and then I'll go write, and, and I put in there, you know, this phrase that we use, that's the way God made me. That's one of the biggest lies on this planet. God did not make you that way. Well, I'm just kind of hard-headed and stubborn anyway. God did not make you that way. That's from the fall. How did God make you? God made you in Christ. God has a template for you of love, of peace, of righteousness. You just got to work to get into it. Amen? 
This is not, this, listen, this is not a case of the clothes fitting the man. This is a case of the man fitting the clothes. See, we buy clothes that don't fit. We go to the tailor. They fix the clothes. That's not the way it works in the kingdom. God's already got the clothes made in one side. So when you put it on, it doesn't fit. You say, well, this doesn't fit me. Tithing doesn't fit me. Baptism of the Holy Ghost doesn't fit me. Now, if they would have tailored this thing differently, it might have fit me. God doesn't go retailor the whole thing for you. What he does is he wants you to change so that next time you put it on, it fits. Did you get that? That was good. I like that. I'm going to put that in my book. Amen? That's a revelation to me. But it's true. That's what we do with clothes. We just go get them, we just go get them uh, altered. Well, it's not the clothes that need to be altered. The clothes are your righteousness. Your clothes with the robe, the righteousness of God in Christ. He's not going to alter the clothes. He's going to alter you. And when he alters you, then the clothes will fit. Amen? You love the Lord? You still happy? Give the Lord a shout. Hallelujah. Father, we bless your name. Lift your hands up and worship God. Father, we worship you. Oh, we glorify your name. Father, we worship you tonight. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Hallelujah. Dan, you and your wife stand up. Y'all stand up. The Spirit of the Lord wants you to know that you've had some breakthroughs, but they've been minor. In His eyes, they're minor. Small things. But your minor breakthroughs are giving you momentum towards your major ones. So keep progressing and moving forward. Keep drawing nigh unto Him. Keep making the adjustments. Keep doing that what you know to do. And what you don't know to do, God says, I'll give you the instructions that you need. And you will begin to see major breakthroughs. Things even beyond your imagination. Things that you thought would never happen. Things that you've even dismissed because you think, well, maybe we missed it there or missed it here or missed it there. But the Lord says, no, I'm even going to catch you up to some things that you should have had a while back. So stay with it. Stay strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Rejoice in the Lord. Keep, maintain, and increase your joy. Your worship and your praise unto the Lord. And you shall see that the minor breakthroughs of the past few months are nothing compared to the major ones which are scheduled for you in just the next few months ahead. Amen? I like that. Lift up your hands and thank the Lord. Oh, we thank you, Father. Now everybody can stand. And if you like that word, you just take it for yourself. Amen? Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the goodness of what you're saying unto us. And Lord, we do adhere to that which we need to do to alter, to change, to submit unto your word, to humble ourselves and do that which is necessary to enter into the fullness of the promised land provided for us in Christ. Thank you as we leave tonight according to your word. We appropriate by faith, safety, and protection declaring over the entire congregation. No evil befalls us. No plague comes in our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. In our travels, the highways, the seaways, the airways, the railways, or any other type of travel or transportation, we thank you, Father. We are blessed and protected. Lord, we thank you also in the righteous labor of our hands as we handle the resource that you've given us. Thank you, Father, that we're also protected. No evil plans of wicked men are plans of Satan himself, for we abide under the shadow of the Most High. Thank you for the door of utterance as we go out and enter into the true ministry of every believer. That ministry of encouragement, 
ministry of restoration, ministry of reconciliation, laying hands on the sick, casting out devils. Freely we received, freely we give. We leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you. We love you so much, Lord. We love you so much. We leave tonight walking in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. Father, we leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.